As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Well, good morning, good morning, my friends, my internet Netsians. How are you? It is a Friday, baby, which means it's almost the weekend. For some of you guys, I hope you don't live for the weekend, but for some of you guys, that means a lot. I know it means a lot for me because if you follow me on that IG, you know that this weekend I'm going to be out at the racetrack again like I always am, guys. And so I am super excited for this Friday, guys. We have a great show for you today. There's an article that I came upon in social media today that I really want to talk about. I really want to talk about this article. Now, you guys know, if you've been following me, you've been with me for a long time now, that I'm kind of anti-political. Actually, as it came out, I was kind of stuttered over my words there. I wouldn't say that I'm anti-political. I'm just just ambivalent to it. It just, in many ways, and I'll probably get in trouble for saying this anyway, but in many ways, politics has rarely, if ever, improved my life. And as a founder, as a technologist, as a technology founder, operator, investor, angel investor, and agile coach, I've never found politics is ever something that has been able to make me money. <laughs> so, so leave it at the, if you want to look at me through the lens of any type of political lens or anything like that, just think of me as Peter doesn't feel like he can ever make any money on politics, so he just doesn't really talk about it. However, today's article on this Friday, guys, from social media, I want to talk about it because it, what it, it, this article really belies how technology is really affecting our mental models around the world, number one. And number two, it affects our behaviors and how we interact with each other. And so I really want to cover this article, and you guys can leave those comments below. Flame me up if you, if you feel like uh, the article is unjust or I- anything like that. Uh, but I really want to cover it, and I really want to talk about it because I think it's important for us as we move into 2020 and beyond. The fact is, your behaviors are affected by technology. Your models of the world, your worldviews, the way that you think, they are affected by what you consume. It would be irrational and it would be naive for us to think otherwise. So I want to go over this article with you, give you obviously my color commentary as well. We're going to be going over venture deals. You guys know how how it works. We go over venture deals for January 10th, 2020. We got to know where the money is going and where the money is a flowing. So we're going to be going over that. Let me load this up here. I probably should have done that earlier, but you know, is what it is, guys, is what it is. And then, and then after that, we're going to be going over, uh, oh, 
a book I'm reading. Well, I, I've read it multiple times, and what's what's you see all you see all these like I don't know if you can see it, guys. Why am I not showing this right? You see all these like it's all like cut up. That's because my rabbit. That's right, my little black rabbit. My little black rabbit likes to eat it, uh, so he's been nibbling on that. And I want to read this uh, this uh, part of this chapter. Um, in in it doesn't have to be crazy at work by Jason Fried and David Heinemeier Hansen, uh, base camp, uh, base camp founders. I want to uh, read something to you guys in today's final word. So we're going to have a great episode. We're going to have a great show today, guys. Let's just jump right into it. This is from Andrew Hutchinson from Social Media Today. He says, is Facebook really to blame for increasing political division? Now, if you just joined us in Venture Daily, I want to repeat it. I'm pretty agnostic about politics, but there's some really juicy bits in this article that I want to discuss with you guys. Here we go. There is a lot to take in from the latest New York Times latest report on an internal memo sent by Facebook's head of VR and AR, Andrew Bosworth, in regards to Facebook's influence over voter behavior and societal shifts. Bosworth is a senior figure within the social network, having first worked as an engineer in 2006 before moving to the head of the platform's mobile ad products from 2012 to 2017 to his current leadership role. As as such, Boz has had a front row seat to see the company's rise, and in particular, given his position at the time to see how Facebook ads influenced or didn't the 2016 U.S. presidential election. I will first and foremost say that I have no idea, no data, and no proof of any of this stuff being true. But the idea here is for us to think about how technology is affecting us, guys. That's what I want you to think about in today's episode. And Boz says that Facebook ads did indeed influence the 2016 result, though not in the way that most suspect. In summary, here are some of the key points which Bosworth addresses in his long post, which he has since published on his Facebook profile and his stance on each. Number one, Russian interference in the 2016 election. I mean, did we not see that on the news 24-7 all the time? Here's the answer. Bosworth says that this happened, but the Russian troll farms had no major impact on the final election result. Nope. Sorry, guys, for all those that were hanging their hats on that issue. Number two, political misinformation. Bosworth says that most misinformation in the 2016 campaign came from people with no political interest whatsoever probably people like me, who are seeking to drive traffic to an ad-laden website by creating fake headlines and did so to make money. Clearly, I am in the wrong. You can make money in politics as long as you're spreading misinformation. Misinformation from candidates, Boz says, was not a significant factor. Mm, Not a significant factor in the election, but... For those savvy technophiles, they can figure out how to make that money on the misinformation. Cambridge Analytica, there was a huge uproar about this, as you guys probably remember. Bosworth says that Cambridge Analytica was a non-event. 
and that the company was essentially a group of snake oil salesmen who had no real influence nor capacity for such. The tools they used didn't work, and the scale they used them wasn't really meaningful. Every claim that they had made about themselves is garbage. Cambridge Analytica, sorry, no effect. Filter bubbles. Bosworth says that, if anything, Facebook users seek content from more sources on a subject, not less. The problem is, according to Boz, that broader exposure to different perspectives actually pushes people more to one side. What happens when you see more content from people you don't agree with? Does it help you to empathize with them, as everyone has been suggesting? Nope. It makes you dislike them even more. Now, this is a really interesting point. Now, I haven't been on Facebook since about 2012. I deleted my account, but I guarantee you, if you go onto Facebook and you search for Peter Saddington, you're probably gonna come up with like six or seven profiles of fake Peter Saddington's shilling that busy Bitcoin. It's not me, guys. I'm not on Facebook. It's one of those social media platforms that I promised myself, my family, my wife, and my kids that I would just yeah, just no more. I couldn't do it, guys. I couldn't do it. But despite dismissing all of these factors, Bosworth says that Facebook is responsible for the 2016 election result. I will qualify here, though, because I've read this article beforehand. I think this statement from the author is a little clickbaity. Facebook isn't responsible for the election result. Did they have some effect? Potentially. But many people get their news from different places, not just Facebook alone. Let's continue. Quote, so is Facebook responsible for Donald Trump getting elected? I think the answer is yes, but not for the reasons anyone thinks. He didn't get elected because of Russia or misinformation or Cambridge Analytica. He got elected because he ran the single best digital ad campaign I've ever seen from any advertiser, period. There's something to be said about this. Maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe, what Donald Trump had going for him is that he had surrounded himself with social media advisors who actually knew the value of social. Could be? No idea. I don't know if that's true or not. But I will say, nope. from my experience in viewing and consuming some of Donald Trump's uh, shows in the past, mostly haphazardly, I think it would be an easy thing to say that Donald Trump is a master of brand. He's a master of marketing. I mean, let's be honest. He's the president of the United States, and he's a reality TV show dude. Gotcha, bitch. Does the man know how to market? Does a man know how to make a brand? If I go to Korea, which I go to a lot, do I want to go to the Trump-invested uh, hotel in Seoul? Probably, because it's really good. <laughs> and I'm sure, Trump, I'm sure Trump had them pay $50 million just to put his name on front of that hotel. Do they give great service? Yes. Does it increase the prices? Yes. But... The man knows how to brand. The man knows how to market. I think we can we can take something from that. And I'm always looking for the positive. You guys know me. I'm always looking for the positive in everything. I think there's a lot we can learn from this. Bosworth says that the Trump team simply ran a better campaign on the platform where more people are getting their news content. 
Quote, they weren't running misinformation or hoaxes. They weren't micro-targeting or saying different things to different people. They just used the tools we had to show the right creative to the, each person. To the use of custom audiences, video, e-commerce, and fresh crea creative remains the high watermark of digital ad campaigns, in my opinion. The end result, Bosworth says, didn't come about because people were being polarized by the newsfeed algorithm, showing them more of what they agree with and less of what they don't, nor through complex neurotargeting of ads based on pe people's inherent fears. Many subsequent societal division we're now seeing, which may have come about because of Facebook's algorithm, is due to the fact that its systems are primarily exposing the desires of humanity itself for better or worse. Did you follow all of that, guys? Did you follow everything that this guy just said? I'm going to give you the TLDR. In the TLDR, he'd made a great marketing campaign. He used all the tools necessary at his disposal. And maybe that's just all that's required in this shenanigan game in the clown fiesta that is politics. You run a better campaign, you got better technophiles, engineers, you got better marketers and, and brand experts behind you, you're probably going to do a better job. Maybe that's where the money needs to be when it comes to campaigning in any type of politics. Quote, in these moments, people like to suggest that our consumers don't really have free will. People compare social media to nicotine. Still, while Facebook may not be nicotine, I think it's probably more like sugar. Sugar is delicious, and for most of us, there is a special place for it in our lives. But like all things, it benefits from moderation. I will tell you, and go out on a limb, oh, not, not a limb, but go out and just being radically transparent with my audience, I don't eat a lot of sugar. I don't, eat, I, don't, I don't consume anything from Facebook either. Maybe that makes me a better person. <laughs> Boz's final stance here is that people should be able to decide for themselves how much sugar they consume. Each of us must take responsibility for ourselves. If we want to eat sugar and die an early death, that has a valid position. So if Facebook users choose to polarize themselves with the content available on its platform, then that's their choice. The stance is very similar to Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg's position on political ads and not subjecting such to fact checks. People should be able to see for themselves what politicians are saying, says Zuckerberg. And if content is newsworthy, we also won't take it down even if it would otherwise conflict with many of our standards. Essentially, Facebook is saying that it has no real stake in this, that it's merely a platform for information sharing. And if people get something out of that experience and they come back more often as a result, then it's up to them to regulate just how much they consume. And so Facebook's stance and Mark Zuckerberg's stance essentially is we are merely an information platform. And if you do not have personal responsibility, if you do not have moderation, if you do not have discipline and you continue and you're a sugar addict or a news addict or a fake, you know, not fake news addict, but you're a, a political news addict, then you're going to come back for more and not moderate and you're going to end up being swayed one way or the other. As noted, there's a lot to consider here, and it is worthy pointing out that these are Bosworth opinions 
only, and they are not necessarily representative of Facebook company stance more generally, though they do align with other disclosures from the company on these issues. It's interesting to note, in particular, Boz's demissal of filter bubbles, which are considered to be a key element in Facebook's subsequent political influence. Bosworth says that, contrary to popular opinion, Facebook actually exposes users to significantly more content sources than they would have seen in times before the internet. Quote, ask yourselves how many newspapers and news programs people read and watch before the internet. If you guessed one and one, on average you are right. And if you guessed though and if you guessed those were ide ideologically aligned with them, then you are right again. The internet exposes them to far more content from other sources, 26% more on Facebook, according to our research. This is a good point. In today's world, we are far more inundated with more inputs into our system, more inputs into our brain than ever before. So it is a fair statement to say that more people have more access to varied information outlets and varied points of view. I think that's a fair statement to say. Facebook's COO, Sheryl Sandberg, quoted this same research in October last, last year, noting more specifically that 26% of the news which Facebook users see in there represents another point of view. So the understanding that Facebook is able to radicalize users by aligning their feed with their established views is flawed, at least according to this insight. But then again, providing more sources surely also enables users to pick and choose the publishers and pages that they agree with and subsequently follow, which must eventually influence their opinion through a constant stream of content from larger set of politically aligned pages, reinforcing their perspective. In fact, it's, it, the finding seems majorly flawed. Facebook's news feed doesn't show you a random assortment of content from different sources. It shows you posts from pages that you follow, along with content shared by your connections. If you're connected to people who post things that you don't like or disagree with, well, what do you do? You mute them or you remove them as connections. In the same sense, it seems impossible that Facebook could be exposing all of its users to a more balanced view of each subject based on a broader variety of inputs. But then again, you are likely to see content from a generally broader mix of other pages in your feed based on what friends have liked and shared. If Facebook is using that as a proxy, then it seems logical that you would see content from a wider range of different pages. But few of them would likely align with political movements. It may be also. It may also be, as it is with most social platforms, that a small number of, so of users have outsized influence over such trends. So while on average, more people might see a broader variety of content overall, the few active users who are sharing certain perspectives could have more sway overall. It's hard to draw any significant conclusions without the internal research, but it feels like that can't be correct, that users can't be exposed to more perspectives on a platform which enables you so easily to block other perspectives out and to follow pages which reinforce your stance. That still seems to be a, the biggest issue, but Facebook users can pick and choose what they want to believe and to build their own ecosystem around that. A level of responsibility, of course, also comes back to the publishers who are sharing the most divisive, biased, and partisan perspectives. But they're arguably doing so because they know that it will spark debate, because it'll spark comments and shares that lead to further distribution of their posts, gaining them even more site traffic. Because Facebook, via its algorithm, has made such engagement a key measure in generating maximum reach through its network. Could Facebook really have that level of influence over publisher decisions? This is a lot 
to unpack here. There's a lot to unpack here, so I'm going to give you my TLDR. Essentially, what this author is saying is that there isn't enough information, or at least we don't have access to all the information and, and the real data behind how Facebook's algorithm works. But essentially, there seems to be a blurred line, a fuzzy gray area in terms of how users are being influenced by the network connections around them, what their network connections are liking, commenting on, and sharing. And so the idea is simply this. If one of your network connections, one of your friends, uh, <laughs> I just had a thought, random thought. You guys know Dunbar's number, right? Dunbar's number, Dr. Dunbar, scientist, uh, systems thinker. He, uh, he has Dunbar's number, which essentially is that uh, you can't really have you can't really manage more than like 100 or 120 uh, relational network uh, connections, which I've always found fascinating because whenever I thought about like people on Facebook, it's like you have more than 100 friends. No, you don't. You don't have that many friends. You can't actually psychologically, cognitively and manage that many friends. And so most of your friends are not really friends at all. They're just network connections. Anyway, anyway, the point, the point. <laughs> The point I'm trying to say is, is that as an individual, you have the opportunity to close down those network connections. And if, if Facebook elevates news or political news that you don't like, you can mute it and you can remove it, which this, this author would argue only reinforces their already political bias or their already political, their political stance even more so. I just don't see that. I just don't see. I, just, I, well, I haven't been on Facebook since like 2012, so I don't know. So you guys leave me a comment below. Let me know your experience on Facebook if you actually use it. Nope. If you actually use it. Um, and let me know whether you feel like you're getting a wide variety of inputs into your system. Are you getting a wide variety of political news? Are you getting a wide variety of different articles and ideas on Facebook? Or is it really just an echo chamber that you have curated for yourself so that your echo chamber is really the echo chamber that you wanted? Does that make sense? I hope so. So could Facebook really have that level of influence over publisher decisions? Consider this. In 2018, Facebook overtook print newspapers as a source of news content in the U.S. Facebook clearly does have this have the sway to influence editorial decisions. So while Facebook may say it's not on them, uh, that, that they don't have any influence over what people think or the news that they choose to believe, it could arguably be blamed, Facebook that is, be As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Blamed for the initial polarization of news coverage in the first place. And that alone could have, have led to more significant societal division. But really what Boz says is right. It's probably right. Russian interference may have nudged a few votes a little more in a certain direction. Misinformation from politicians specifically is less likely influential than random memes from partisan pages. People have long questioned the true capabilities of Cambridge Analytica and its psychographic audience profile. While filter bubbles, as noted, seem like they have to have some impact, but maybe less than we think. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Facebook has no responsibility to bear. Clearly, given its influence in the deteriorating state of the political debate, the platform is playing a role in pushing people towards the left or right, respectively. Here's where I'm going to pause. Is it? I haven't been on Facebook. I don't know. Do you feel like Facebook is pushing you in one direction or the other? And if so, this is kind of the point of why I'm reading this daggone article. If Facebook is a platform which is creating polarization in you, in your brain, making you think one way or the other and continuing to reinforce that idea, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Is that something that you want to have in your life? Do you want to be controlled, not controlled, but do you want to be pushed and influenced in certain ways? Is that valuable to you? Or if you're, if you're kind of like me, do you want to have a broad perspective, an open mind to as many things as possible? One of the things that I love, and I'm just going to go off on a tangent here for a second. One of the things that I love about what I've been doing, eh, I'd say at least a decade plus <laughs> in, in my life as a founder, agile coach, author, consultant, I have a broad range of people that I interact with all the time. And obviously, when it comes to VC hunting, our other segment where we find the untold stories of venture capitalists, I meet people from the entire spectrum of the, the political realm. And so that allows me to understand different perspectives. I don't have much of an opinion about politics, to be quite frank, um, because it doesn't really affect me and because mostly I haven't been able to figure out how to monetize it. Maybe I should. But I just don't know. Let me know in the comments below if you feel like Facebook or other social platforms like Facebook are influencing you in a good or bad way. Let me know. 
Could it be that Facebook's algorithms have simply changed the way political content is covered by outlets? or that giving every person a voice has led to more people voicing their beliefs, which has awakened existing division that we just weren't aware of previously? That, that then could arguably be fueling more division anyway. If, if you see that in your brother, for example, has taken a stance which opposes your own, you're more likely to reconsider your own position based on it coming from someone you respect. <laughs> or maybe if you don't respect your brother, it'll create more division. Add to that the addictive dopamine rush of self-validation, which comes from likes and comments, prompting more personal sharing as such, and maybe Boz is right. Maybe. Facebook is simply sugar, and we only have ourselves to blame for coming back for more. What a wonderful wonderful, wonderful article. And again, the reason why I wanted to talk about this article is because I see as a technologist, as a founder, as an operator who's deep in experimenting with new technologies, experimenting with new apps, experimenting with new, new things that are happening. I'm always curious about the effects of these technologies on our mental models, on our worldviews, on how we see and interact with other people. One of the reasons that I have chosen to be relatively ambiguous around politics and ambivalent around politics is I found that this might not be fair for me to say, but I've just found that it generally has, there's a lot of, there's an undertone of division. I don't, you, you might have a, a stance on politics, whether you're left or right or, I don't care. Great, have it. As long as it doesn't affect, as long as it doesn't affect what we're trying to do, build great pieces of technology, build startups, help elevate people, help bring the underserved and the underprivileged into technology, giving them opportunities to cap for capital and venture capital, allowing them to, to build their dreams. Again, as I said earlier in this show, I find that politics has been rarely uh, an area in which it brings a lot of positivity to life. And so for me, I question, I question whether these types of systems are for the net good of society or net bad. Are we allowing these systems to create more division in this country, in your, your community, in your family, in your network, and in your culture? Why are we allowing that? Why should we find that to be a norm? Why should we want that to be a truism? I just don't think there's any net positive end of that. So let me know your thoughts in the comments below, or if you're a daily subscriber to the Daily Hunt newsletter, reply and let me know what your thoughts are. Do you feel like these types of platforms like Facebook are creating even more division among people? And if so, then let me know why. Why do you continue to allow that to affect you? Because for me, that just seems like a time bandit. It seems like a waste of time. It pulls me away from what I really need to be doing is grinding out great work, building and serving others, and hopefully making something that'll last, that legacy, guys. I hope this was helpful. I, I, I enjoyed reading this. I enjoyed reading this article. I just, I, maybe, maybe sometimes my, my, my ideas around the world and wanting to help people, I just, I just don't like division, man. I'm not into that. So a word from our sponsor, guys. True startup story, guys. You got it. Your company just got seed round financed. Congratulations. You're going to the moon. But now you have to scale. You found great talent out in California, New York, Georgia, and even Eastern Europe. 
So what communications platform will you be using to ensure your international team is always aligned? Well, the answer is easy, slack.com for teams. We've used Slack for all of our previous startups and they've supported us in tremendous ways. And we want to give them a thanks today for supporting vchunting.com. Did you also know that Slack is a great tool for personal use? Yeah, I use my own personal Slack channel to drop in documents, notes, to-dos, and follow-ups to ensure that my workflow throughout the day is right on course. I promise you, if you try out slack.com for personal use, you'll end up using it for your team as well. Go to slack.com to check it out. Welcome back to Venture Daily, the number one fastest growing daily news show in venture media. Man, I was actually really encouraged the other day. And one of the reasons why I was encouraged is because someone actually said that. Someone actually said that to me. Someone actually said, hey, uh, and I'll give you the context real quick. Someone said to me the other day, they, they texted me and they said, hey, I, I saw your stuff in Chickity China, man. I was like, bro. That's because we're syndicating to China, we're syndicating to Singapore, we're syndicating to Japan, well, soon to be Japan and Korea. We're syndicating all over the world. We're globally expanding, and we're making sure that the next generation, the next generation of founders, operators, and venture capitalists are getting the news that they can use so they can get in this startup game and entrepreneurship game. Booyah! I love it, man. I love it. I love it. So thanks and welcome back, guys. Uh, make sure that you follow me on that tweeters at Agile Peter. I'm always dropping stuff about what I'm doing. Um, I had some great converse. Ooh, by the way, if you own a Jeep, if you own a Jeep, you just kind of and there's not enough space. You just kind of have to do this sometimes. Oh, that was great. I love having the opportunity to do these types of things. I had some great conversations this week. Obviously, I had a great conversation with my man, Tim Draper, who I've met before. Uh, I don't think he actually remembered that we met before. Uh, <laughs> we met in person up in New York City at a, at a cryptocurrency conference uh, a couple years back. Uh, but it was great to talk with him. I also talked with my man, Frederick uh, Gross. Had a great conversation with him from Storm Ventures. Uh, I can't wait to drop the interview with Frederick. Uh, in the next couple weeks and the interview with uh, Tim Draper in the next couple weeks. So make sure to follow me on uh, Agile, Agile Peter on that tweeters. Also, guys, we're, I always have to say it, VC hunting, man, the, the daily hunt, daily newsletter, pumping it out every night. About 7 to 9 o'clock every night, we're pumping it out, making sure that you have news that you can use. Let's move on to the venture deals for January 10th, 2020, guys. We always want to know where the money is going and where the money is flowing. We're the only daily venture news, uh, daily venture news content creator that talks about venture deals every day. This should be like a thing, my guys. This should be like a thing, guys, you know? Opay, a Nigeria-based mobile payment startup, raised $120 million in Series B funding. Investors include Metuan Danping, Dragon Ball, Ca Dragon Ball Capital, and Galron Capital. Now, what's so interesting is that we have seen over the last decade more and more Chinese investors going into Africa. And here you go, Nigeria and... Chinese investors. Makes sense, guys. Cha-ching. Good on ya. Good on ya. Blue Vine at Redwood City, California-based provider of small business banking, raised $102.5 million in Series F funding. Ion Crossover Partners led the round. $102.5 million in Series 
F funding? Have they As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com/podcast that's indeed.com/podcast terms and conditions apply they not launched yet can they got get their shit together sorry guys gotcha bitch Smart News Inc a Japan based news discovery app raised 92 million in series E funding at 1.2 billion valuation. Japan Post Capital Co and ACA Investments led the round. Wow, Series E and F. Have these guys not found product market fit yet? I know, I know, I know. I'm I'm giving them ish, guys. I'm giving them ish. Nuvia, a Santa Clara, California-based silicon design company, raised 53 million in Series A funding. Capricorn Investment Group led the round. Bungalow, a San Francisco-based co-living company, raised 32 million in Series B funding. Founders Fund and Co2 co-led the round. Congratulations. Aerospike Inc, the global leader in next-generation real-time NoSQL data solutions, raised 32 million in Series D funding. Triangle Peak Partners led the round. Bison Trails, a Brooklyn-based provider of secure infrastructure for multiple blockchain. Ooh. that blockchain networks guys raised 25.5 million in series A funding blockchain capital led the round congratulations bison trails i want to see what this is all about because you you caught my attention bro so let's see what bison trail pioneering blockchain infrastructure bison trails is the easiest way to run a secure infrastructure multiple blockchains i think i'm going to check this out my friends i'm going to keep that up Eden, a San Francisco-based workplace management platform, raised 25 million in Series B funding. Reshape led the round. Congratulations. Abnormal Security, a San Francisco-based cloud email security platform, raised 24 million in Series A funding. Greylock Partners led the round. Congratulations. Luco, a Paris-based home insurance company, raised 22 million in Series A funding. Excel led the round. Wave with a W A Y V E. A UK's developer of artificial intelligence that teaches cars to drive autonomously using reinforcement learning raised 20 million in Series A funding. Did you guys hear about the CES? I'm sure you guys heard about CES. Did you see the Sony electric car? Wow. I was seriously impressed with the 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 Sony uh, electric car that's going on, guys. That was really 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 cool. Cha-ching cha-ching, guys. Freedom Leaf, a Las Vegas-based hemp consumer packaged goods company, raised five million in funding. Merida Capital led the round. There you go, Freedom Leaf. Smoke weed every day. TRM Labs, a San Francisco-based cryptocurrency risk management platform, raised four point two million in funding. Investors include initialized capital. Not bad. 
Live, a San Francisco-based mixed reality game streaming platform, raised $2.6 million in Series A funding. Hero Capital led the round. Not bad. Bolt, a San Francisco-based electric bike delivery company. Are those still... Are those still a legit? I thought all the the electric bikes were all going under. Uh, raised two point five million in seed funding. Maniv Mobility led the round and was joined by investors including Contrarian Ventures. Ooh, um, that's not gonna. I won't say anything. I'll leave it there. <laughs> Some you, you guys sometimes you have no idea what goes on in my head, and it's a good thing that you don't know what's going on in my head. Charlie AI, a Canada-based AI-powered workflow automation engine company, raised $1.6 million in seed funding. Investors include BDC Capital and Yaletown Venture Partners. There you go, guys. That Those are your venture deals for January 10th, 2020. Right before we finish off this week, we love knowing where the money is going and where the money is flowing. Did you know that there's even more value than just audio or video? Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at VC Hunting, and make sure to sign up for the VC Hunting newsletter, where you'll be able to get weekly news on venture capital, startups, founder stories, and the occasional wisdom extracted from Peter's brain. Go to vchunting.com to sign up. And now, back to the episode. time guys it's story time i am an avid reader and i'm not one of those tweet uh those vc angel investor founder operators on twitter that's going to tweet at you telling you and um you know virtue signaling how many books i done read last year i read a lot of books last year and people who know me know that i do and but i don't need to be tweet storming and telling you guys of all the books that i'm reading however this is one book that i've read multiple times um, and I love it. It's, it says, It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work by Jason Fried um, and, and David Hansen, uh, the f- founders of Basecamp, a company which I ridiculously respect for their principle and value-based uh, leadership and decision-making in their company. And I want to read this, I want to read a little bit of this chapter here. Especially as we go into the um, into the weekend, and I, I thought it was re- I think I actually thought it was kind of appropriate, um, and the reason is, is is because of the context of the article that I read in our first segment of today's show around having technology impacting and influencing our behaviors, which is not always a great thing. And it's, and it's one of those things that I'm always trying to be cognizant of is how is my technology usage, how is my app usage uh, affecting who I am? Because in many ways, guys, don't miss this if you're listening up and you've made it this far, is that your behaviors Your behaviors, are you listening? Your behaviors make up who you are. Your habits make up who you are. So you have to wonder, how are my behaviors being affected by technology? And is, are these behaviors who I want to be? So the title of this chapter is called FOMO, JOMO. JOMO, you ever heard of JOMO? I've never heard of JOMO until I read this thing a couple months ago. Let's read it out. FOMO, the fear of missing out. It's an affliction that drives obsessive tracking of Twitter feeds. I've been there. Recovering social media addict, guys. Recovering social media addict, okay? Facebook updates. Instagram stories. 
WhatsApp groups, and news apps. It's not uncommon for people to pick up their phones dozens of times a day when some push notification makes a buzz. Because what if it was something super important? What if it was something super important? It just about never is. And one of the things that I've done is I've removed all push notifications from my phone. I just don't like being pushed anything, guys. And it's no longer contained to social media. It's seeping into work as well. So this is, a, this is where you start listening. If you're in work, don't let work be like social media. If an email wasn't bad enough to cultivating FOMO or the fear of missing out, we now have a new generation of real-time tools like chat to stoke it like Slack. Obviously, one of our partners here. Yet another thing that asks for your con conscious, a partial attention all day on the premise that you can't miss out. He says, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we try not to say too much bad language here, guys, but I'm just gonna read it for what it is. He says, fuck that. <laughs> people should be missing out. People should be missing out. Most people should miss out on most things most of the time. That's why we try to encourage at Basecamp, JOMO, or the joy of missing out. It's JOMO that lets you turn off the fire hose of information, chatter, and interruptions to actually get the right shit done. It's JOMO that lets you catch up on what happened today as a single summary email tomorrow morning rather than a drip, 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 drip feed throughout the day. JOMO, baby. JOMO. Because there's absolutely no reason everyone needs to attempt to know everything that's going on in our company, and especially not in real time. If it's important, you'll find out. And most of it isn't. Most of the day-to-day -day work inside a company's walls is mundane, and that's a beautiful thing. It's work. It's not news. I'm going to repeat that, guys. It's work. It's not news. We must all stop treating every little fucking thing that happens at work like it's on a breaking news ticker. And that's all I'm going to read from this chapter on FOMO and JOMO. I hope that you guys have a wonderful weekend this weekend. A wonderful weekend. Turn off the phones. Get all, get, retrain your behaviors. Don't allow FOMO to get sucked into your life. You don't need to know everything. And frankly, none of it really is all that important. Be present. If you got a girlfriend, boyfriend, be present with them. You got... You're single and you're lonely. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have an answer for you. Um, read. <laughs> if you guys, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, if you're married, make sure that you love on your spouse. If you're going to get married, make sure you love on your fiance or whoever it is. Be present. Jomo, baby, the joy of missing out. I hope to not hear from you guys over the weekend. But, you know, when it comes back to the week, it's time to work, baby. So enjoy your weekend, guys. Enjoy life. Be present. And I'll see you on Monday.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 